Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, thank you oh so much for the many, many blessings you've poured upon us all throughout this service. And now the blessed opportunity to get back into your word again. Open our eyes, open our heart, open our mind so we can receive that message you want us to receive and apply it in the right way. Build our faith and trust in you and in your word and bring you honor and glory through all of us. We pray in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. The title of this one is, What is Deep Inside Us? What do we really have within us? Until you're born again, you don't have the indwelling spirit of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost works with people. In the Old Testament, the Holy Ghost would come upon someone and help them reveal things to them, give them visions, give them the prophecies, give them strength, whatever the situation may have been. But the Holy Ghost wasn't indwelt in them and stay in them continuously like we have the blessed opportunity of that now. Because of the finished work of Jesus Christ, because of the gift of salvation, because of the gift of the indwelling Spirit of the Holy Ghost provided to us by God, we become different. We become a new creature in Christ. We become renewed. We become quickened, brought back to life spiritually. And we become different deep inside. But yet there is still that nature within us. Paul writes about this and he talks about the struggle that he had, the kind of a tug of war that we have between the flesh and the spirit. And we all know that that is deep within us. And until we receive that glorified body and until we're with the Lord in the new heaven and the new earth and the new creation, we are still going to be fighting that battle of that darkness that is within everyone. In some people, it's more prevalent. In some people, it comes out very quickly and very easily. Even the Christians are still dealing with this. But the non-Christians out there seem to be more evident in them, in their behavior, in their actions, in their attitude of this darkness that is within someone. This darkness is nothing new. It goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. But it was very well-spoken, very emphasized right before the destruction of the planet with the flood in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, where it reads, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of his heart was only evil continually. That was the prevailing behavior of mankind in general all over the whole planet. Because there was only eight people that were saved on that ship that Noah had built there, designed by God as a sanctuary, as a safe place, as salvation. It was available for others to come in, but they made fun of Noah. They turned away from it because Noah called, excuse me, because the Lord called Noah and his family into that ark and that door was left open for another week. Another week of other people could have come in there. His friends, his other family members, his associates, those that helped actually work and build and supply the materials and so forth, could have come in there, but no, they didn't. They just stood back and laughed. And it cost them. And we have an opportunity of today to reach folks, to call them in. You can imagine Noah was probably there at the entrance of that doorway crying out for others, come on in, come on in, there's plenty of room, because that was a huge ship. There's plenty of room, plenty of food and stuff on there, provisions for many. But nobody else came in. The Lord's given us an opportunity to call folks in to the sanctuary, to the salvation of 
the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ. But we know we're dealing with a mankind that has deep within them this evil continually, this evil imagination, this evil presence within them. Evil is basically defiance of God, defiance of His rules, regulations, His commandments. That is what the evil is. Depending on how evil they are, on the degree of what they do as far as defying God and His desire and how evil. I mean, it's very clear some people are far more evil than others. But there's still that difference. you got either Christian or you're non-Christian. You're Christian or you're anti-Christ. I mean, that's, that's only the two ways there is to it. And if you're Christian, you're supposed to stay on the good side. You're supposed to stay on the spiritual side and not let that evil that is within all of us rise up and be prevalent in us and in our behavior and our actions. Way too many times you see actual Christians that wind up being ornery. They wind up being hateful and judgmental of others in a condemning way and not beneficial to the kingdom because they're still living in the flesh. You've got to let that all go. Become spiritually minded. Stay focused on what the Lord wants us to do. And that is to share that love that He has given us. We merely need to get ourselves out of the way and let the love of Jesus Christ shine through us into others around us. Difficult sometimes, yes. Especially when something happens and somebody comes up against you in one way or another or an event takes place or you do something that you know good and well you shouldn't have done and then that evil rises up and then it's so easy that that comes forward. Sometimes very quickly. Sometimes it's a long process, but sometimes very quickly and suddenly that evil just rises up. We've got to suppress that. When that does come forward, when we do mess up, we take it to the Lord and ask forgiveness. Suppress that. Get it out of the way. The more that we live in the Spirit, the more we have control over the flesh and can keep that pushed away. But we need to really look at ourselves. Is there something that you are doing or is there some way that you react that isn't God-glorifying, that isn't good, that is evil at its core? If there is, you need to get rid of that. You need to take care of that. By the power of the indwelling Spirit of the Holy Ghost, we can overcome those evils, potentials that are within us. And we can ask the Lord to look at us. Is there something to reveal to us? Is there something that needs to be changed in my life? In Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 9 and 10, he puts it, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Talk about mankind in general. In verse 10, I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. A very interesting part of this verse is, I try the reins. This is a reference to like if you're, you're on a horse, you have the the bridle and the reins, you guide that horse, you direct the path of that horse by pulling on those reins. So he is trying the reins. He's testing how much influence he has on you. He tries the reins. Okay, are you going to respond when I pull on this side of the rein, are you going to turn in the direction I want you to turn? Or are you going to stop when I pull back on both reins? Are you going to respond to his control? Are you going to respond to 
the indwelling Spirit of the Holy Ghost? Are you going to respond to this, the Word of God that's available to us that guides us? Are we going to respond when the Lord is trying our reins? Are you going to do what He wants you to do? He'll try us in simple ways to see how obedient we are going to be to His guidance. And then the more that we are obedient, the more He'll allow us to do. Because just like you go back to the horse. You have a horse and you're training that horse to do a job, whatever job that is. You don't give it the most complex job right away that you really depend on that horse being obedient. No, you've trained that horse. It takes time to train that horse to be able to respond exactly to what you want it to do when you want it to do it to the point where you can just make a noise or a gesture and that horse will respond. We need to be that same way. To respond so quickly to any notion that comes from the Lord and do exactly what He wants us to do. So we've got to ask Him to examine us. Like it says over in Psalm 26. This is a Psalm of David. And it's very well laid out here in the whole Psalm, verses 1 through 12. It reads, Judge me, O Lord. Now this judge here, like I say, all the time when we look at the word judge, you've got to find out what is the use of this word judge. Here it's not talking about condemn me. It's talking about evaluate me, look me over, determine what needs to be changed, what am I doing right, what am I doing wrong. Judge me, O Lord, for I have walked in mine integrity, giving himself a little pat on the back there, but this is David. He had that potential every once in a while. I have trusted also in the Lord, therefore I shall not slide. Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my reins and my heart. Another reference to that, try my reins. Give me a little test, see if I'm going to follow your guidance. And prove means to test or to try. So he's wanting to be tested. He's wanting to be tried. He's wanting to see if he is Submissive to the Lord. Verse 3, For thy loving kindness is before mine eyes, and I have walked in thy truth. I have not sat with vain persons, neither will I go in with dissemblers. Who are you associating with? Who you associate with will affect your life. I have hated the congregation of evildoers and will not sit with the wicked got to be very careful who you link up with. I will wash mine hands in innocency. So will I compass thine altar, O Lord, that I may publish with the voice of thanksgiving and tell of all thy wondrous works. Our testimony. What kind of testimony have you had or do you have? Are your testimonies God-glorifying? Do you bring honor and glory to the Lord? Or do you bring shame to the Lord? If you are associating with people that are ungodly and participating in their ungodly behavior or approving in their ungodly behavior, approving of ungodly behavior, which is very common these days. If so, you are not showing thanksgiving. You are not showing a good testimony. You are not showing the love of God that I may publish with the voice of thanksgiving. Thanksgiving to everybody out there can see that you are thankful for what the Lord has blessed you with in everything that you do. 
The body that you have, how are you presenting your body? What are you doing to your body that others are seeing? Are you showing thankfulness or are you showing unthankfulness? And tell of all thy wondrous works. Tell folks when the Lord blesses you. Lord, I have loved the habitation of thy house and the place where thine honor dwelleth. Do you love going to the place of the Lord? Do you love coming to church? Basically, this house you talk about, the temple, in the presence of God. Gather not my soul with sinners, nor my life with bloody men, in whose hands is mischief and their right hand is full of bribes. But as for me, I will walk in mine integrity, redeem me, and be merciful unto me. My foot standeth in an even place in the congregation's well, I bless the Lord. Be careful where you're at. Be careful what you do. Be careful who you associate with. Always bring honor and glory to the Lord. Come to His house and have a good relationship with the Lord that you are presenting to everyone all the time through the evidence of your thankfulness for what He has blessed you with. In Psalm 139, O Lord, Thou hast searched me and know me. This is another psalm of David, now realizing that, okay, the Lord looked me over. Now what am I going to do with it? Thou knowest my downsetting and my uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compasseth my path and my lying down and art acquainted with my all my ways. There is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, Thou knowest it altogether. He knows every word we say. He knows every thought that we have. Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? There's no way to hide from God. You might think, well, if I sneak out at night, uh, people won't know what I'm doing. Or if I go on vacation and go to the other side of the world somewhere, then I can get into some sinful activities and nobody's going to know about it. The Lord's going to know about it. If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to, to thee. For thou hast possessed my reins. Once again, referring to that. Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned when as yet there was none of them. Here he's talking about how the Lord 
knows us right from conception, right as we are growing in the womb. Before we're even born, He knows us. He's looking at us. He's relating to us. He's communicating with us right within the mother's womb. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. Surely thou wilt slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, ye bloody men. For they speak against thee wickedly, and thine enemies take thy name in vain. Do not I hate them, O Lord, that hate thee? And am not I grieved with those that rise up against thee? I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them mine enemies. This is some stuff that David himself was going through. These encounters with the evil were a commonplace for David. He went up against a lot of evil folks, uh, evil nations even, and had to battle them. The Lord gave him strength and guidance to do such. But all through this, he was very careful not to become evil himself. To show that he hated evil and evil behavior, yes, but it was, he was very careful to always ask the Lord to make sure that he hadn't become evil because of all that that he had to do. In verse 23, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. You see this sometimes when people get in the law enforcement or get in the military. They have to deal with such evil that sometimes it pollutes them. And they rise up and become a bit evil themselves. In their attitude and their relationship with even the closest people around them, they sometimes display that evil that they are trying to fight. David was very careful with that as well, saying... I hate the evil. Don't let me become the evil. Search me. Is there anything in me that needs to get rid of? Is, it, is there something that is out there that is going on that I am a part of that I need to stop? Yeah, that's one of the things. A lot of people get involved in evil, support evil. Like I say, don't do it. Stay away from it. Know it. Reject it. Turn away from it. Praise the Lord. All right, now move over to the New Testament. Matthew chapter 7. Here we see the words of the Lord teaching us here again, talking about our behavior, our attitude toward others. Judge not that ye be not judged. Once again, talk about this word judge. Here the word judge is being used as condemn not that ye be not condemned. When we see the evil, we should not condemn those people. Condemn the evil behavior, yes, but not the individuals. We need to do as much as we possibly can to try to reach them by living a God-glorifying life in front of them and also when given the opportunity to reveal to them the evil of their ways. They won't accept it usually, but at least you've done your part. And they'll say, oh, you're judging me. Well, no, I'm not condemning you. I'm letting you know. I'm warning you. I'm not judging you. I'm warning you that God is not going to like what you're doing. And you're going to be accountable to that. So please change it so you wind up living a God-glorifying life, not be judged, condemned for what you're doing. Very careful balance there. 
Judge not that ye be not judged, for with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged, and with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? You're going to go out and give somebody else an advice about how to live a God-glorifying life, and you're not living a God-glorifying life. You become a hypocrite in their eyes, and how are you going to help somebody when you can't even help yourself? That's what he's talking about. We've got to get ourselves straight first. When we're living a good God-glorifying life and living a good life that is a testimony to others, then we can, at that time, help others see that it is possible. If we can do it, they can do it and receive the benefits that come along with that. Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the mote that is in thine eye and behold, a beam is in thine own eye. A mote being a tiny little speck of something, but yet you've got a big old post or a beam stuck in your own eye. How are you going to help them if you ain't even got yourself straight? Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. It isn't to condemn your brother. It's to help your brother. You get yourself straight and then you have the potential to be able to influence someone else when you can show them that it is possible to live a God-glorifying life and stay out of those sinful behaviors. Then you can help them. And that's what it's about. Not to condemn them, but to assist them to come out of that. So what is really deep inside? What is there in there? Is there that potential to condemn, to cut down, to criticize? Romans chapter 1 Verses 18 through 32 give a perfect example of society today. The behavior and the attitude. It speaks of the professing themselves wise, they become fools. The invisible things of God are clearly seen, but yet they want to ignore that. They willingly are ignorant. They have promoted homosexuality. They have promoted lesbianism. They have promoted all this really weird, bizarre stuff in these days. And he gives a list of the attitudes of these folks uh, in verse 29, being filled with all unrighteousness and fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful. And that's the evil that is within everybody out there. It's like, well, I know some people that aren't Christians. They're very nice people. You don't really know them. They might present nice at times. But until they're indwelled with the Holy Ghost, they don't have that influence of the love of God in them. And in verse 32 there, who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. These evil out here love it when they get others to join in on their evil behavior. We have seen a rise of these idiots that are protesting against Israel, these, especially these idiot homosexuals and lesbians and the gay bunch that are protesting in favor of Hamas and the other terrorists. Hamas and them terrorists would kill them in a heartbeat. And yet they're protesting in favor of this hate group out there. It's craziness. But it shows the stupidity that they have. And it shows that they love it when they get others to come in 
and join in their evil behavior in whatever it might be, whatever the, the, the style of the moment is. What are we going to protest now? Not even knowing what they're protesting. They just like to protest and stir up trouble. Whatever the next phase is, whatever the next fashion is, what are we protesting this week? Not even knowing it, but yet that's what they're like. And they love it when they get others to come in and join their groups of hatred. But what are we doing about that? How are we looking at that? Us Christians. He's addressing the Christians now in chapter 2. Therefore, thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest. This judging here is condemning. We cannot condemn those stupid people out there that are doing the evil things because only God can fix stupid. And that's clear. And there's a lot of it out there. And we need to pray for them. We need to definitely be praying for this country because it has, in the last few years, really gone down some, some really bad paths. But we don't condemn it. We've got to share the love of God. We've got to be concerned for them. Let the Spirit come forward in us, not the flesh that is so easily manipulated into becoming angry and hateful and want to just destroy it all. The old saying back in the Vietnam War, nuke them all and let God sort it out. Shouldn't be that way. Therefore, thou art an excusable old man, whosoever thou art that judges. For in when... For wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. For thou that judgest doest the same things. See, when we get that hateful attitude, when we get a desire to destroy the evil people, then we become associated right with that same evil. It's ungodly. So don't do it. Verse 2. But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. In other words, God's going to take care of it. We don't have to worry about it. Because he says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. In verse 3, And thinkest thou this, O man, that judges them which do such things, and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? That's a very important question. We're all going to be held accountable. Or despisest thou the riches of His goodness and forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? We've got to look back. We were pretty awful folks too. But we got saved by grace, by His mercy. So He can do that for those also. But after thy hardness and thy impotent heart treasurest up thou unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds. To them who be patient, continuance in well-doing, seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. But unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil of the Jew first and also of the Gentile. But glory and honor and peace to every man that worketh good to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. For there is no respect of persons with God. 
we need to behave right. We need to be honoring the Lord. We need to do those two great commandments to love God with all your existence and to love others as yourself. When you do those two, then you're going to bring honor to the Lord. You're going to share that love that He's given us. All we got to do is get ourselves out of the way and let the Lord come forward. Keep that darkness suppressed, tied up, bound, gagged, stuffed away in the corner somewhere and ignore it. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 in verse 23. Shortly before the Lord was crucified, when we have communion, we celebrate this event that is being taught right here. And this was that original communion service in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. For I have received of the Lord, this is Paul writing this to the church at Corneth, that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he brake it and, and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This is the cup of the New Testament in my blood, this do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. That's why we have communion. It's remembering what the Lord has done for us. That the flesh and the blood is talking about taking Jesus in, absorbing him into us, becoming changed because he's in us. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily, shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Very interesting here where he's talking about there can be guilt in partaking in the, the sacrament of communion unjustifiably, unworthily. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. We need to look ourselves over. Are we hypocrites? Are we going to step up and become part of the sacrament, the part of this ritual that honors the sacrifice of Jesus Christ as a hypocrite? If so, we're going to pay for that. It's going to cost us. Verse 29, For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. Harm can come upon you. Sickness can come upon you. Evil is something we've got to suppress. And if we're participating in evil and we come and pretend to be Christians and act like, oh yeah, everything's normal, everything's okay, and you go home and you do all kinds of evil stuff, that's going to cost you. You're going to lose blessings. You're going to lose... Maybe even your life, because it says that many sleep. It's like harm can come upon you. Weakness can come upon you. Sickness can come upon you. Death can come upon you when you defy Jesus Christ. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. There again, going all the way back to that. Examining ourselves. Look at ourselves. We need to totally look at ourselves. See, is there anything wrong Am I doing anything wrong? Am I displaying anything wrong? If so, get it right. 
In James chapter 4, it says, Submit yourselves unto God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. That's what we've got to do. Resist the devil, he'll flee from us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, Examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves. So let's look close. Let's see. Is there some wickedness that's coming forward that needs to be suppressed, taken out, wiped away? If so, take it to the Lord. Get it taken care of. Get it washed in the blood. Ask the Lord to protect you. Put on the full armor of God and stay on the spirit side, not the flesh side. That tug of war, that battle. Let's pray. Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we thank you oh so much for your word. It's so powerful. It's so current. The issues that every one of us deal with day by day, we know we can find the guidelines we need when we get into your word. Help each and every one of us suppress the evil, the potential that is within all of us to put that away so far away, so deep away that it never comes forward. And any thought that we have or anything that we say or anything that we do so that we can always bring honor and glory to you and share the love that you have given us to all those around us, even those dark evil folks that are out there, that we can still have compassion and love for them. We thank you oh so much for all the opportunities you give us to be a part of your work. So we pray in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. If you would please.